0: And welcome to episode 43 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? What that boils down to is that we look at movies that are rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2010's Tron Legacy, directed by Joseph Kosinski, starring Jeff Bridges, Garrett Hedlund, Bruce Boxleitner, Olivia Wilde, Michael Sheen, James Fran, and Beau. Tron Legacy is a 2010 science fiction film. It is a sequel to the 1982 film Tron. This movie currently holds a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis?
1: Sam Flynn, a rebellious 27-year-old, is haunted by the mysterious disappearance of his father Kevin Flynn, a man once known as the world's leading video game developer. When Sam investigates a strange signal sent from the old Flynn's arcade, a signal that could only come from his father, he finds himself pulled into a digital world where Kevin has been trapped for 20 years. With the help of the fearless warrior, Kuora, father and son embark on a life or death journey across a cyber universe, a universe created by Kevin himself that has become far more advanced with vehicles, weapons, landscapes, and a ruthless villain who will stop at nothing to prevent their escape. Okay,
0: Tron Legacy! Now, before we begin, I wanted to talk about the controversial results of the listener's choice poll, because as I sit here, this is a house divided. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Tron Legacy, but the two of you- you wanted to pitch black, right? You know a
1: house divided can't stand, Joel.
0: I think I think Abe Lincoln told me that once. <laughs> what, him personally? Yeah, <laughs> he to go- you in a dream? <laughs> his
1: ghost. <laughs> Pulled a sandlot, he came out of your
0: closet. <laughs> okay, so 174 people voted for Tron Legacy and the final results are as followed. Pitch Black, 85 votes. Tron Legacy, 89. So four votes. That's a hell of a victory. This is a really tight race. Like, it was tied almost in- through its entirety pretty sweet in the beginning pitch black had quite a lead it did and I, I i did not expect tron to win
1: i was i was rejoicing
2: yeah we were giddy we were so excited to get yeah. some pitch black action
1: at the possibility of seeing vincent diesel with those beautiful ice blue eyes that he, has. he takes off those, <laughs> those, baby, those blues. baby blues <laughs> baby be- <laughs> beautiful <laughs> okay anyway so tron legacy what is your history with this one every time you would come to my apartment joel <laughs> you would turn Tron Legacy on and for whatever reason you had an obsession with the initial fight scene where he's having an arena battle with the light discs. It got and to it the point. Just played over and over again. I think I've seen it a hundred times.
0: So so people at home picture this. There was a, a very long period of time where I would go to Martin's house to record the podcast. Like, I know Jumper was one of these instances. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I would go to his apartment and out of spite, hatred and malice, I would turn on Trump legacy <laughs> <laughs> and we would watch the exact scene. Every single time and I would laugh
1: with glee whenever you'd complain turn us off because, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've seen this movie in its entirety multiple times because my roommate, whenever people would come over to drink or hang out or whatever. This
0: is a real showpiece. <laughs> <This>, yeah, <laughs> he, he would just turn it on. <laughs> he would turn because... That's our checkered past. I forced Martin to watch this. Uh, Kevin, what's your past with this?
2: I have no past with this. I never saw the original. I never saw this one. Um, I never really had any interest in
0: either one of them. Okay. I've only seen bits and pieces of the original. And as for this movie, I saw it when it came in the theaters, and I went out of my way to not watch it in 3D. I wanted to watch it in 2D, so I, I had to go way the hell out of town to see it. And even then, I still lost because the theater I saw it, it was crap. So it looked like garbage anyway. So
1: it's so a lose lose for everybody. I saw it in 3D um, in the theaters, and then obviously I've seen it on TV uh, over and over yeah, and over yeah, again. TV over and over again.
0: Okay, so let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did.
1: First up, Jeff Bridges. I love Jeff Bridges. I think he's a phenomenal actor. I love the big Lebowski. I mean, when I think of him, I immediately think of the dude. And I could see a lot of that character coming through in his portrayal of Kevin Flynn.
2: I thought Jeff Bridges did a good job with this. Um, as long as we're talking about the actual Jeff Bridges, the
1: actor,
2: <laughs> and not the CG Jeff not the Bridges. polar express <laughs> version of him.
1: Oh, I hate the exact same thing. <laughs> fresh juice is Check it
0: out! I thought he was great. Probably the second best actor in this movie. Oh, controversy right there. No, I agree. I, no, no, oh, I actually oh, agree with hey, oh, you. Oh, he's the second best actor. Oh, 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 hey. Who do you, like, <laughs> no, one, no one in this room disagrees with you. <laughs> best thing about Jeff Bridges in this movie, he had the best robe I had ever seen in my life. I don't know how that deals with his acting
1: in any way, but it was pretty sweet. Okay, next up. The hero, Garrett Headland. His performance was mediocre at best. It was it was it was flat, and I'm not sure if that was done on purpose.
0: Flaccid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Garrett Headland was impotent. (laughs) And non-functioning.
0: I really
2: enjoyed this guy. And there was one instance where he has a hood on and he turns around and like looks towards the camera. And I'm reminded of... And you got chills. Our boy Hayden Christensen. Christensen. I'm reminded of him in the Star Wars movies. And I immediately compared these two because they're roughly around the same
1: age, I would assume, right? They're both great actors.
2: If this guy was in Jumper, totally a better movie, right? This guy actually emotes a little bit. Well, whatever. I liked him. I I thought he did a good job. I I really did. I like this character and and the way this guy did it.
1: Could you picture
0: yourself as that character? Yeah, sure. He is the flat everyman. We discussed his acting prowess in the Twilight episode, I recall. Yes, we did. He is just flat, one-tone, monotone, boring. His closest analog is not Hayden Christensen, but our good friend, Sam Worthington. That's his closest isomorph? Shut up! (laughs) 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 Yes, (laughs) Sam Worthington.
2: Okay. Avatar! I didn't see it! Avatar. What? I had no interest in that movie. Why would I go How see a bunch you... of giant blue people running around on a stupid planet? <laughs> Why would you see Jumper? Because it was
1: awesome.
0: I agree with you. Jumper was awesome. <laughs> you know, you convinced me. He's definitely better than Sam Worthington.
1: What does that mean?
0: It means a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> 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 Coming from me. Ah, does it mean? anything. He's me- better than Sam Worthington? everything. Alright, next up, Bruce Boxleitner. He played the, the father figure to Garrett Headland in this. He was from the original Tron. I thought he was fantastic.
1: I thought he was Fantastic. Great. This guy's voice is awesome. He reminds me of a friendlier looking Michael Douglas. I'll accept that.
2: Yeah, I thought he was alright. He doesn't have a very big part.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> quite possibly the best actor in this movie. Absolutely not. No. I said nope. quite possibly.
1: There's nothing to Definitive in that statement? No, because 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 I have a I have a definitive best, and I know you do too. I also know who it is. What <laughs> do you have a crystal ball? Next up, Olivia Wilde. I thought that she looked super attractive. I disagree. Why? Just because of her hair?
0: Yeah, I've come to realize something about myself. Her
1: hair is like the is is like the deal breaker for you. Give, You're give like it. she has bangs. Boo. Given the past
0: couple movies that we've watched, where the heroines have had this exact hairstyle, I've come. To to realize that I really, really don't like this hairstyle where it's like this short bob and the bangs in the front are like straight and parallels. Like it's it's horrible. This is a woman who looks absolutely gorgeous like everything else. Yeah. And this one movie, this kind of pixie-ish boyish kind of cut that they gave her just destroys it.
1: I thought that she looked very feminine, not boyish. And I thought that she was attractive.
2: I think it was effective for that character though. And
1: I thought that she looked like she belonged in like a very rigid technologically you know, uh, visual landscape. Yeah. Okay, next up, our good friend from Underworld, Michael Sheen. Awesome. He, he's too good to be in this movie. He rocked it. He killed this movie. Absolutely killed he, it.
0: Okay, so here's a fun fact about Michael Sheen. He said that he was channeling David Bowie as Ziggy Stardust. Definitely.
1: That's really interesting because I'm, I'm pretty sure I made a comment about how he looked David Bowie-esque. <laughs>
0: Did you like, think that in your mind that you thought you said it to me? I don't remember you ever saying that. Really? <laughs> <laughs> the, you thought you said that to me? The first time I saw this movie with you, I said he looked like David Bowie. He,
2: that, that guy did a really good job. He was fantastic. He
0: was the best character in this movie. In fact, so much so that he feels as if he... he should even be in the movie. No, like, like, like he wandered on set from another movie. Like another more exciting, interesting movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, hey guys, swinging his cane around. <laughs> What's going on in here? Fantastic. This guy's amazing. He came
1: in from a much better Oscar <laughs> award winning movie and started acting in this one.
0: <laughs> And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Those are the the big heavy hitters in this one. Killian Murphy. Oh yeah, we got a little cameo from that guy. It was
2: good. It was, it was a little cameo.
0: I did like him. You know, the reason they did that was to set up a potential sequel with him oh. as the villain. Okay. I would have much rather have seen that plot, but okay. They'll yeah. find
2: a way to mucky that up too.
0: So let me give you the brief history on Tron Legacy. Very brief, I hope, because if you go look up Tron Legacy, you will get 800 pages worth of backstory <laughs> on the making of this thing. There was speculation that Disney would make a sequel film due to the original film's cult following. On July 29, 1999, ZDNet News reported that a Tron sequel or remake was being considered by Pixar. In 2003, Disney released an official sequel to the original film in the form of the video game Tron 2.0, leading to increased speculation over a pending film sequel. At the 2008 San Diego Comic Con, a preliminary teaser trailer labeled Tron spelled with a 2 instead of an O was shown as a surprise to convention guests. Joseph Kaczynski made his big screen directorial debut with Tron Legacy. His previous work has primarily been with CGI related television commercials including the Starry Night commercial for Halo 3 and the award winning Mad World commercial for Gears of War. Before Garrett Hedlund was cast as Sam Flynn, other actors considered included Chris Pine, Ryan Gosling and Michael (laughs) Stahl-David. To play the computer program Clue, Jeff Bridges Bridges' face was de-aged with the same technology used on the curious case of benjamin button thus in his role as flynn bridges appears to be his actual age of 61 but as clue a program written back in the 1980s he looks like he's in his 30s although the film did not achieve disney's high expectations the film was a box office success making a worldwide total of
1: 500 million
0: 400 million kevin wins again woo 400 million. Well played. This movie starts off with a Tron-sized version of the Disney logo. Amazing.
2: Amazing. Really cool. Right? When I saw that, I was like, why isn't this in more movies? Like, why don't they, like, tailor the the production companies and and, and all that to the
0: movie? It should be done all the time. I I agree. I agree with you. But the Disney logo in this movie is, like, the best effect in the movie. (laughs) I love it. I remember when I saw this the first time, I was like, oh, my God,
1: that is so cool. What do you think of that? Uh, No, I thought it was Phenomenal. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't consider the logo to be part of the movie, but. <laughs> I just, just turned it off.
0: Like, when the logo came, I was like, wow, five out of five. I just t- turned it off. <laughs> the movie starts off. We get Jeff Bridges doing his voiceover about the grid. We get our first taste of the Daft Punk soundtrack. Which is phenomenal, by the way. Which I I am going to say that the soundtrack to this movie is better than the movie it's in. Absolutely. Without question. Yeah, it's amazing.
2: You know, just the other day, I was uh, thinking about the fact that back in the 80s, early 90s, movies really focused on sound and it was very, like, very orchestral. And we don't really have that anymore, right? like the movies today don't really seem to focus on like having a A memorable soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. Like an Indiana
0: Jones theme song. Yeah,
2: or or Superman or any of those. But this one is definitely like a step back towards that. I mean, this was very memorable.
0: After this opening monologue, we see Jeff Bridges being a father figure to young Sam Flynn. And we get our first taste of digital Jeff Bridges. Now, right off the bat, Kevin, what was your reaction to this?
2: Poor. It looked so poor to me.
0: Did you know Know that this was going to be in this movie. By the
2: way, I remembered something about it. Yeah, the fact that you just mentioned that it was the same technology that they used in Benjamin Button blows my mind because I thought that effect was really good.
1: It looked bench- for what it's worth, the effects in Benjamin Button looked very convincing. I feel like Benjamin Button was a
0: mix of makeup and CG. I feel like it wasn't all CG. Well, then I'm not why, sure why didn't they do the, didn't they the
2: same do the for the this same thing
1: with Jeff Bridges? Why
2: can't they dye his hair, shave his beard, give him some Botox? I thought this movie looked amazing. That effect of him being young just stood out like a sore thumb to me.
0: I agree. They should not have shown young Jeff Bridges in the real world. I feel like we would have bought it better if it was in the computer world. Okay, yeah. Because we could be like, oh, hey, it's a computer man in the computer world. But yeah. when I see him in the real world walking around, it's like, oh! Okay, so we get to find out what happened to Kevin Flynn because apparently he disappears, right? Yep. And I actually really like the way they do this flashback where they go into this black void.
1: And it's filled There's <laughs> a
0: million TVs in this black nether dimension with fog, and it zooms in on the TV, and it's all these, like, newscasts. And and this is the one time in the movie, and the only time in the movie, I think, where digital Jeff Bridges looks good. Where he's on this old TV with the scan lines on his face yeah in the old news footage. Plus, because it was all distorted. Exactly. And it looked good. I thought it looked really good.
2: Yeah, that looked good. I did not like the whole, we're in a room with a whole bunch of television (laughs) montage of what happened to him.
0: The TV dimension? Yeah, I didn't care for that. What
1: did you think of the speech he was, like, given giving to like the free world or whatever.
0: Yeah, I don't get that. He's like, you're a video game maker and people are like, oh, you're the next messiah now or something. I actually like the way they cut between the past and the present. It's like uh, little Sam Flynn is on his bike and he's trying to escape the troubles of everyday life. (laughs) And as he's driving, he's he's, he's, he's riding away from the loss of his father. Like his grandparents go, "Sam, come back!" And it kind of echoes. And then it cuts to him in the future, and you can still hear like their parents echoing in his Mm -hmm. his mind. I thought that was a really good cut. It's a good filmmaking. Say what you will about this movie, it's directed well. At least
1: I don't think anyone's going to argue that it's not directed well. I was surprised you said this is a first time director.
0: Yeah, it it doesn't feel like
2: it, right? No,
1: not at all. You know, it's
2: kind
0: of surprising that Disney would put this expensive, big budget property in the hands of a first time director. That's true.
1: That is true. But it, their gamble worked out for them because made four hundred mil.
0: Now that we finally meet Garrett Headland, they kind of set this guy up as being a reckless loner, right? Yeah. He's on his bike. He's breaking all the speed limits. When he the looked cop- awesome, by the way. You
2: thought so. He didn't. It looks just- so cool in movies
1: when people are on their motorcycles doing that stuff. And they show it from like third bird's eye view or whatever. Yeah. Like, but then when like I'm on
2: the road and someone's doing that, I get so pissed.
0: Oh, when they when they zoom in and out.
2: Yeah. Right. You do too, right? Yeah. On yeah. The, the motorcycle. But when
0: it's in the movie, movies, it looks cool. are like, oh, it's oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, like the, the cops are chasing Garrett Hedlund, he turns his lights off, and he does some evasive maneuvering, and mm-hmm. does some illegal stuff, and he escapes. Yeah, so Garrett Hedlund is going to break into his father's old company, Encom, cause a little mischief.
2: As he's breaking into the building, the board of directors, apparently, is having their midnight board meeting, <laughs> which just doesn't really happen. I guess the, the chairman of the board announces that the stock's now being traded on the Japanese Stock Exchange. They're traded worldwide. This doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. You can listen on one exchange. You don't just get listen on all the exchanges like that. There's no point to it. It's stupid. Were you like shaking
1: your head through this whole thing? I had
2: my, my head, my forehead stock, in my, stock, the palm of my
1: hand. Stock just is trading. Shaking. It is traded 24 hours a day.
2: There's aftermarket trading. There's aftermarket trading. Yeah. There's no There's reason. There's no point to this. This doesn't make any sense. You listen sense. on several exchanges. <laughs> I love that this, this. Is the breaking point? <laughs> I almost turned the movie
1: off. <laughs> <laughs> They're having their midnight board meeting, and Sam Flynn is infiltrating his. I guess it's essentially his company because he's majority uh, shareholder. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he's not, I guess he's not really breaking in. He owns the building. But he's doing a little mischief. Criminal yeah, yeah. intent.
2: That was a criminal. Who's he hurting himself? He's breaking and entering his own building.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joel, if you. If you if you lost your key to this apartment, and you had to climb in through the window. <laughs> yeah. would, would, would the police come and arrest you? <laughs> All right, so let's just fast
0: forward. Uh, Bruce Boxleitner visits uh, Garrett Headland in his apartment on the, the dock. He
1: lives in like a garage, warehouse, funhouse, or something. And they're drinking Coors Original, the banquet beer.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that was choice product placement <laughs> in a Disney film.
0: Bruce Boxleitner says, hey, I got a page on my beeper from your father. It came from the old arcade. You should go check it out. <laughs> what,
1: what year is this supposed to be?
0: Today. It's the present. Why does he have a beeper? Well, Garrett Hedlund says the same thing. And Bruce Boxleitner said, your papa told me to, that I have to sleep with this. And I always have. And I still do.
1: Aww. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So Garrett Hedlund goes to the arcade. Flynn's arcade in the dilapidated toxic waste part of town. In the in the district. Exactly. He turns on the machines, and just by sound alone, I picked out Donkey Kong and Pac-Man. What do you say to that? Wow, Joel. I'm a real to- winner. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Tron machine in the background, which was an actual game from the 80s. Yeah. Garrett Hedlund figures out there's a secret door behind it, swings it open. In the background, by the way, a very important song in the history of our lives is playing. This is now the second movie that we reviewed that has Sweet Dreams from the Eurythmics playing in the background.
1: And the last one was such a hit. <laughs> The Last one wasn't done by the Arithmics though. <laughs> it was uh, it was karaoke. <laughs> Emily Browning. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so S- Sam Worthington goes <laughs> down into <laughs> Jesus. So then Sam Flynn. Sam Flynn goes down into the Tron Bat Cave. Yes. Gets Honey, I Shrunk the Kids into the Tron Universe. Yeah. There's a laser right behind him with a baseball sitting on it. <laughs> he- <And then laughs> <a lesson.
0: laughs> yeah. I-, I like the fact that um, his dad invented the iPad screen. Yeah. In nineteen eighty nine or whatever. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And he's hacking on the screen and he accidentally turns on this laser beam and he sends himself into the Tron universe. I'll say this this movie's not screwing around. It only took about twenty three minutes for us to get into the Tron world. Yep. We're always complaining that it takes him an hour for the mummy to show up. (laughs) And in this movie, twenty three minutes, like we're in. Like people paid to see the Tron movie, you know? And here it is. I like that a lot. I give him a lot of credit for that. I loved it. So, Kevin, why don't you describe what the Tron world looks like?
2: Man. It's basically if everything was dark and was outlined with neon lights, right?
0: That's pretty fair to say.
2: But that doesn't do it justice. I mean, it looks really cool. Oh, you, you liked it? I love the way it looked.
0: I agree. This is probably one of the best looking universes that a movie has been set in. Mm-hmm. Just like conceptual design wise, yeah. in a very, very long time. It's Very impressive what they came up with for this movie.
1: It's essentially set in kind of like a desert wasteland void. And then there's this city that Neo- Tokyo. Yeah, yeah it's, like an, yeah. it's like a yeah. It's like a Neo Tokyo. The lights kind of look like a Akira esque, like the way that they have like this glowing trails r- around them.
2: Better question is, how did they fit all that into one megabyte
0: of space? They were better programmers in those days.
2: Oh, they were than we have today.
0: Yeah, they were actually because they actually had to work for it. Like they only had like five kilobytes or whatever. Yeah, you know, they could all yeah, fit into that.
1: Their lines of code. They were way so better. Elegant. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, so within, like, seconds, Garrett Hedlund gets kidnapped. He gets captured by the Tron guards. Right here, when Garrett Hedlund is being taken away, the music, that's when, like, the Daft Punk music really, like, kicks in. Mm -hmm. Like, really orchestral, really crazy. That's when it really hits you. It's like, wow, this is amazing.
2: Yeah, I I actually wrote down, this music's amazing. It's like a digital symphony piece.
0: Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Our our boy Garrett, he is taken away, and his punishment is that he's going to be consigned to the game. He has to go to the arena and fight for his life. All right, so we meet the sirens, what they're called. uh, These girls that live inside of a wall, and they come out and they strip Garrett Hedlund nude. I actually
2: thought this scene was really stupid. How so? It was incredibly inefficient. (laughs) (laughs) This is a computer world, right, where efficiency is valued? She's just four women, like each one's doing a little bit of taking the clothes off. Then they walk around, they go get his, his armor one piece at a time. It was incredibly
1: inefficient. Would you have preferred they did like a laser where it like generates his suit as it goes? Yeah, out? sure. Anything, so, something like that. Anything besides this? This is stupid.
0: Okay. I really like the way these girls looked, though. The makeup. What I read in my research, it took two or three hours to get their makeup to look like that because they look really
1: plasticky, right? Yeah, yeah, they did. They I, I like that look a lot. They were. I think that they looked more robotic than any of the other. Yeah, they did. yeah definitely, definitely. So our boy Garrett's got his Tron suit
0: on. He's got his disc, and they explained to him they go hey here is your tron disc it is extremely important it records all your memories everything you learn you do don't lose it if you lose it we will kill you right they said that to him he's like okay great now go play this game where you take your disc and you throw it around the room <laughs> what's that about
2: yeah I, I struggled with that too that it was such an important thing and then they use it as a weapon <laughs> it seems really silly if i have really important documents on my flash drive because <laughs> they're throwing it around I, I take really good care of it I
1: throw it around the room. That would be like if my thumb drive had like a uh, an energy knife that came out of it and I could (laughs) throw it around the room. Like (laughs) Alright, so we get to the infamous scene that I would play over and
0: over again when I was at Martin's house. It's the the Coliseum scene where he's playing the discs of Tron. And the way that they show this thing, like, turning on, I thought this was the coolest looking thing. I'll give this guy a lot of credit, this director. Like, the first 20 minutes or so in the Tron world, it's just, like, cool thing after cool thing. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Like, he really gets us into this world. I don't even know how to describe this weird geometric shape that the arena was. It was just
1: floating in the sky. It reminded me of like a cargo ship when you see like large cargo freight ships with boxes that are different colors on them like large metal cargo boxes they're all stacked in like different geometric shapes on top of one another that's what this reminded me of
0: yeah and it's rotating and when it turns on it makes this really cool like ring Noise yeah. and like the light shoots out of it and there's all these lens flares. I thought this looked amazing. A little fun fact about this Coliseum I found out that I thought was pretty cool. So the audience in the background, like they were like chanting yeah. and stomping their feet. Apparently, that sound effect is the audience at Comic-Con that came to see the panel for Tron Legacy. Like that's, they were that's cool. They, that's re- they recorded cool. the fans and they told them like to stomp their feet and do all that stuff, and they used that. Okay, so our our, our buddy Garrett Hedlund is forced to fight for his life in this gladiatorial arena. What do you describe what this game is like?
1: He's essentially in a glowing cube where he has to hurl a boomerang-esque disc with energy blades circling around it at his opponent. If he hits his opponent, they kind of shatter into like a glass kind of material, and he wins. But in this arena, gravity doesn't adhere to normal rules. You can run and bounce off of the walls, and a lot of acrobatics are occurring. When you have a,
0: a blade that is a circular disc that has murderous blades on the edges, and you throw it like a frisbee, how are you gonna catch it?
2: I didn't get the impression that it was a blade. That's what I, mean. I thought it was like energy Energy, and for whatever reason, it's tuned to hurt the other person, but not hurt you. just Kind of like laser
1: tag. And destroy, like, inanimate objects, too, though, because they use it to break through the actual arena.
2: Then the floor is programmed that way.
0: You can explain anything away in yeah, yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's programmed to do that? <laughs> okay, so? Well, why were they acting so bad? Oh, they were programmed that way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, the effect of the guys shattering. derezzing Was awesome. You
1: like that? It turned into, like, the
2: little pixels?
1: I thought that was really cool. Um, Yeah, it looks like they're just shattered glass onto the ground.
2: Yeah, the effect, it it blew me away. It was like the best I've ever seen that effect look. I also really like the fact that in these fights, they properly use slow motion. They did. Which is not something you see very often these days.
0: It's usually completely misused. Yeah, so Garrett tries to escape. They set off Rinzler. I guess he was supposed to be like a security program or something. Mr. Smith? Yes, exactly. He's an agent, and he fights Garrett Hedlund. He reminded me a lot of Darth Maul. Black, red, and he had two... Weapons. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so Rinsler like, beats the, the shit out of Garrett Headland So much so that he goes to cut him, and Garrett Headland bleeds, and this little drop of CG blood splatters mm-hmm. on the ground. All right, so it's at this point where Garrett Hedlund meets digital Jeff Bridges for the first time. He's like, wow, you look really fake and phony. <laughs> <laughs> you're not my dad. <laughs> wow, you look like plastic. You look like you're from the Polar Express. <laughs> you made a <of> Play-Doh? <laughs> and, and then he challenges him to a duel in the light cycle arena.
2: I loved everything that was going on in there. It was like a really cool video game that I wish I was taking part in.
0: The light cycles are very different from the original Tron. You've at least seen that, right? What the, tr- what the original Tron light yeah. cycles look like. They make these harsh uh, 90 degree turns mm-hmm. when they make their walls. Whereas in this movie, it's more fluid and dynamic. Yeah, these ribbons and you crash in and they explode. The effect when these bikes explode, this sort of lens flare distortion. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that was so cool. Yeah,
2: this whole scene was amazing. Like, they're
0: running out. They're really blowing their loads here. Like, they're spending everything they got. All the cool stuff is just front-loaded mm-hmm. here. I really right.
1: like the way that they run and then dive and it's just this rod that, like, essentially, mani- like, I'm, the first time that they show the light cycle manifesting itself around the character, mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, that's awesome looking. Yeah, that's the good use of slow motion, too, where Garryland yeah. runs like, the Daft
0: Punk music is playing in the yep. bit. It's, like, so cool. Mm-hmm.
1: It reminded me of the Centurion. It's really, it's really swelling like that that seems <clears> swelling <throat> towards like a fever pitch kind of yeah it does
0: alright so here's my one little bone I have to pick with the light cycle sequence so towards the end of this session all of the good guys are being blown away and there's only like two left and Garrett Headland says to one of them he goes like listen we have to work together mm. and they do they work together to knock one of them out so digital Jeff Bridges blows up that other guy and his light cycle doesn't get destroyed it, it reverts back to the rod form yeah. and Garrett Hedlund Edlin picks it up puts it in his pocket mm-hmm. like he pockets it yeah. that never returns in this movie <laughs> so it never comes back so he's had a motorcycle in his pocket the entire movie that he could have used at any time but he didn't need to he could have used it multiple times in this movie one when name, name one to escape from the guards or erase some hell at the end there when,
1: they're, when they had like that army I would have rode her around when Michael Sheen was dancing in the club <laughs> uh, yeah he would have showed <laughs> up her while Dad Punk is flying I,
0: I think it's weird It's it's to me this is the equivalent of in a movie where someone kills another guy and takes his gun, puts it in his pocket, and he never pulls it out and uses it again.
2: I'm okay with that. It bothers me more when the person doesn't pick it up and you're like, pick up the gun. You might need that later. Like, I'd rather them playing it safe and then, you know, he was going to use it if he needed it.
0: It makes me feel like maybe there was a scene later on where he used used it it, and they cut it, but they didn't cut him picking up the, the extra light cycle.
2: I didn't have an issue with this.
0: All right, so Olivia Wilde makes her grand entrance. She blows into the arena. Her stupid bob haircut wafting in the breeze. Her very attractive bob haircut <laughs> wafting in the breeze. Yeah. So Garrett Hedlund. I think she
2: had a helmet on, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Garrett Hedlund. Yeah, she has helmet head. Garrett Hedlund jumps into her ATV four wheeler thing. Looks and, like a
1: moon rover. Yeah,
0: it's crap, and she drives off I the grid. It.
1: Sorry, Kevin. That's yeah. So crap.
0: as far as I'm concerned, this is the turning point. Right. This is when the movie makes its kind of slow descent yep. mm-hmm. into crap, and there is one pivotal moment in this movie where I think it's the absolute cutoff point, and we're kind of slowly diving towards it before it makes this steep drop. So see if you guys can guess where that is coming up. Alright, so Olivia Wilde takes Garrett Hedlund to meet Jeff Bridges. What do you think of where he lives, Kevin? His pad was pretty sweet. It reminded me of like 2001 Space Odyssey, the way they yeah. walked in there. What, the white floors and the white ceilings? Is very yeah, the chandelier, very sterile, yeah. He
2: had that cool uh, wall you could walk through. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty sweet, with a pool out there, overlooking the city. Prime real estate, really.
0: I would have loved to live in an apartment like that. It's oh, yeah. sweet looking, right?
1: Yeah. This is, I think, the first instance where they show them drinking that blue liquid that shows up over and over and over again in this movie. Yeah. What? What is that supposed to be?
0: Energon. Energon's from Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah,
2: there's a lot of eating and drinking in this movie, which didn't make any sense to me. First off, where did that come from? Where did that pig come from that they were eating? The digital pig? Yeah, the eating? digital pig.
1: Where did that come it from? It shows that Jeff Bridges can like create anything he wants he can change the code he's the one essentially right he's kind of like a god there well right?
0: yeah Jeff Bridges that's, that's what I, I assume that Jeff Bridges is god in this universe
2: but he's not writing the code from inside right he wrote the code outside he can
0: write he? it anywhere he wants they kind of make it seem like he can manipulate things at will but he chooses not to
1: why it shows him <laughs> meditating he's like, he's like you shouldn't interfere
0: yeah because it causes more chaos his interference it's very Buddhist in fact you know, Jeff Bridges brought on his own spiritual consultant to help him write the script. No, really? Yeah, yes. Like a Buddhist monk or something. I'm not making that up. Awesome. Okay, so this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. So Jeff Bridges and Garrett Hedlund, they're reunited. Father and son reunited at last. First off, he hasn't seen this guy in 20 years, yet he recognizes him immediately. Yep. He's like, oh, hey, Sam, what's up? How you been? (laughs) And then, my favorite line in the entire movie, he goes up to him to Gary Headland, grabs him and goes, You're big. <laughs> <laughs> you huge. <laughs>
1: Am I back at the Top Gun
0: Academy? Like-
1: <laughs> okay, so after this, Sam essentially has kind of like a uh, disagreement with his father where he wants to stop Clue and he wants to get everybody out of... Ba- he wants to bring he wants, his papa back. He wants to, bring, he, he wants to get everybody world. out. And Jeff Bridges essentially says, no, Clue will be waiting for you. This is what he's wanted the whole time. And he alludes to the fact that Clue has been after him and that he is the key for Clue to essentially get out and wreak havoc on the real world.
0: I don't even know if we even bothered to describe this, so we've been calling him Clue. Clue is the digital Jeff Bridges that Jeff Bridges created to help him make a more perfect world, and he kind of rebelled against his master, very much like Frankenstein in Van (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Helsing. Okay, so <laughs> Tron starts
0: with a, uh, black, with and a black and white flashback. At <laughs> this point where we find out what uh, Olivia Wilde, what she's supposed to be, who wants to tackle this? I, I don't, because I, I
1: still don't know what she is. Martin is uh, really <laughs> <laughs> champing at the bit here. To... <laughs> All right, she's supposed to be a isomorphic algorithm, which is <laughs> <laughs> what Jeff Bridges believes will solve world hunger. <laughs> world peace. World peace. It'll
0: solve world It'll peace? S- It'll, yeah, yeah. That's, no, an, no, that's no, the no. end of world peace. We can finally get rid of that. That scourge.
1: It will create world peace. It'll solve disease. People will be able to live forever. Everyone will be one. How? I'm glad you asked that, Joel. <laughs> oh, oh great. Oh, man. An isomorphic algorithm. Well, the word isomorphic means. Oh, ma- God. <laughs> no, no,
2: stop. It <laughs> comes from the Latin, dude. <laughs>
1: Okay, so apparently these isos are these beings that kind of self-generated out of the system themselves. It was supposed to be analogous to life spontaneously generating itself in the same way that life on earth spontaneously generated. But the difference is in this world, everything is being recorded. So since we don't know how life generated here in the real world, in their world, you do. Not only is everything recorded in their world, but you can actually break everything down and look at what it's made up of. So when it comes down to evolution, aging, dying, disease, you can actually look at these things and, and draw a isomorphic or a analogous relationship between all of these things, see how they occur, and from determining how they occur, stop them. So all that being said, do you like that? I think it's a cool idea. It's like very poorly explained. <laughs> like I had to like look it up and it took me like 35 minutes to like kind of grasp it.
2: I was just left watching this wondering like, why are they even bringing this up? Why is this even a plot point? Do we need this? I just didn't understand because we we already had the stakes here, right? I mean, it's enough that Jeff Bridges got stuck there originally. The clone of Jeff Bridges is kind of the tyrannical ruler of that world. Then his son comes and if they don't leave quickly enough, the son's going to get trapped there.
1: I mean, isn't that enough? I mean, On on top of that, the copy of Jeff Bridges is trying to get out himself to destroy the real world. You're right. There's enough of a conflict already. You didn't need to add this. uh
2: It was just so confused. It was so confusing. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't research it like you did. This whole part of the plot
1: baffled me. Completely baffled me. I'll put it this way. As as interesting as the idea is, if you cut it out, the movie would not have changed at all.
2: I almost felt like that was the beginning of its own movie or story.
1: You think that they could have a spinoff with this?
2: Yeah, sure. But Make that its own movie if you're going to have this this super clever idea that you want to stick into this movie. But don't. This this movie was, was, was fun. It looked great. It had a, a solid enough storyline as it was. You didn't need to make it more complex and it would cut like, what, 10, 15 minutes off the running time?
1: Yeah, maybe more.
2: The movie would have been wrapped up a lot cleaner and nicer, I think, if this whole part wasn't even in it. It's also around this time that uh, <laughs> as Jeff Bridges is explaining everything, we get a really great quote where he says he was creating bio-digital jazz, man. What did you think of a quote, Joel?
0: Bio-digital jazz, that's the most memorable line in this movie. That's the only memorable quote in this movie, right? Yeah,
1: that's the only one yeah. that I that I remember. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Olivia Wilde explains to Garrett Hedlund, she goes, hey, Jeff Bridges made this light cycle back in 1989 or whatever, and it is amazing. It is the fastest light cycle ever built. It is incredible. Check it out. Awesome, right? Garrett Hedlund goes, like, cool. So he steals it and uses it to get back to the grid. Mm -hmm. And literally, within five seconds of being back in the grid, (laughs) he ditches the greatest light cycle ever built. He trades it to a digital hobo (laughs) A digital bum for his dirty, smelly Tron jacket.
2: You know, actually, this would have been a way better place to use that extra light cycle, right? Instead of stealing the awesome one and just giving it away, he could have used that extra one he pocketed. Why
1: did he just, why would you give a light cycle away for a jacket?
0: That's not a fair trade. Uh, well, the extra light cycle wouldn't have worked outside of the grid. Right. So he needed the, the, the good light cycle to get back. Okay. But that doesn't change the fact that he traded the greatest light cycle ever made for a filthy the hobo's urine encrusted jacket.
2: Was it also part of the reason, like that clue would know that that light cycle was, you know, in the grid? You think that's why he did it? And that other guy being on it would be kind of a, a cold trail for them, and he would get more time to figure things out.
0: Possibly. The way I saw it, it was like I'm going to trade the bike for the jacket so I can blend into the Tron planet and sneak in. But that doesn't even work because two seconds later, he gets spotted by the girl that gave him his costume in the first place. I guess she has uh, her. Night off from living in a wall, (laughs) and she's walking around the town, the town square with a future umbrella Mm -hmm. because it rains in the Tron planet. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so she takes him to... Mute, to Zeus,
0: who's... Yeah, who's, who runs the end of line club. And we're reaching the end of the line for this movie, I think. Like, <laughs> this is it. This is the breaking point for the movie. Like, yeah. we're going to hit a, a wall. And we're almost an hour into the movie. So 50% into this movie has been cool yeah. thus far, right? Definitely. And it's at this point where it just takes a nosedive. So we're introduced to Michael Sheen. His character is awesome, amazing. He's a lot of fun. He's funny. He's very boisterous. He has a lot of attitude. He seems the most human of all these program
1: people, right? Yeah. He's
0: more human than I am.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's awesome. He's 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 definitely the most animated.
0: Yeah. Very David Bowie-like. And Daft Punk is in the background playing music. This party is awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. Okay, so Michael Sheen double-crosses Garrett Headland. The guards show up trying to capture him. And um, they had this big battle scene where they're fighting everybody and Michael Sheen is like shooting laser beams out of his cane, (laughs) swinging around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. Olivia Wilde gets her arm cut off. And when her arm gets sliced off, this movie dies. I think that this is it. This is the breaking point right there. Agreed. Right then and there. But before this movie totally th- goes. goes down the, the shit tubes, we get one last really awesome scene that hinted at what this movie could have become. And it's really sad. So Jeff Bridges shows up, right, in his amazing bathrobe <laughs> that's so cool looking. He shows up in this club and the, the music, like it swells up. It's, so epic sounding when he shows up his mere presence like causes everything to like turn off all the lights just shut off because he's in it and as they're leaving the, the club one of the programs the people drops to their knees and prays to him mm-hmm. like he's God I thought that is the coolest thing in this movie I wish there was more of that sort of stuff in this he is he's our creator exactly right That I feel like that's a wasted opportunity like they should have way more of that sort of thing in there right
2: but if everyone felt that way then why was Clue able to rule roll- of them.
0: I think he's kind of like a Satan character who made them believe that he isn't their creator. That that, that his presence is a bad thing.
2: Yeah, I guess so if more people were doing that like if you saw more of old Jeff Bridges doing god-like things it would be less believable that he was the outcast.
1: Yeah, but in the same way that God doesn't interfere, Jeff Bridges doesn't interfere. And if you like think about the way that they kind of color-coded the characters, Jeff Bridges is pure white. Clue is like a reddish orange.
2: Yeah, even when they like hide. One of uh, one of the bad guys' jets. It's all orange. And then as soon as they hijack it, it yeah, turns to white.
1: Color. Also, if you notice, like when Tron kind of changes sides as he falls into the, what is that, the Sea of the digital, Adriatic? Yeah, the, the digital Adriatic Sea on the way to <laughs> Transylvania. <when> <laughs> as he changes sides right before he falls into that abyss, he turns white. Yeah.
2: So people are color coded, good or bad, in yeah. the Tron world.
0: Yeah, so pretty much right here, my notes end. Because that's all there is to say, pretty much. This movie's over right now, right? After this, it's we get this 20-minute long sequence of them sitting on this digital hover train or whatever, yep. and it's just so boring. They're just sitting there chatting forever. This movie just grinds to an absolute halt. What do you guys think of this? Like, everything that happens after this point, what do you Not think? Not memorable. It
2: turns into them basically trying to just stop Clue from getting, getting his the- army out into the real world. So it, it turns into almost like a, a Star Wars kind of movie. I would say at this point like it feels like we're in space yeah yeah I agree with that instead of on the grid there's
1: like these really like long winded dog fights after the Mm -hmm. train sequence (laughs) where they you guys look so dejected (laughs) it's like this this movie was good up until this point
2: It really feels like a different movie. I mean, it looks the same, but the things that the the characters are doing... The
0: tone is completely different. It's
2: all very different.
1: Whatever. So they get to the nexus point where they're able to actually leave the grid. And Jeff Bridges pulls some... (laughs) (laughs) Pulls some, uh, I guess, programming tricks, right? Yeah. And he gave his disc to Sam and, I guess, goes to merge with Clue. And in the act of merging with Clue, he destroys himself.
0: I really don't understand why this had to happen.
1: I don't either. I don't get it. Yeah, why couldn't he just leave? <laughs> Is there really a reason why he couldn't leave?
0: I mean, if, if he has that much
2: power over Clue, and it was like he had like a superpower, basically, right? All of a sudden he became like a superhero. Yeah. Just just toss him aside and run with your kid and leave. You
1: don't even have to run. Just destroy him and leave. <laughs> you just walk. <laughs> <laughs> Saunter. You just, yeah, you could stroll over and leave. Really annoying. Well, they make it to the nexus point just in time. Yeah, right before the portal closes, they escape, and then we get to see digital Olivia Wilde becomes
0: flesh and blood Olivia Wilde.
1: Yeah, some hot-blooded <laughs> Olivia Wilde. Riding on the back of Sam Flynn's hot Ducati motorcycle.
0: Yeah, because previous in the movie, she's like, hey, what's it like? What's the sunrise like? Can you describe it for me? And of course, the last shot of the movie is her seeing her first sunrise.
1: Now, At which uh, point, she has a, a emotional and mental breakdown because <laughs> she's never seen the sun before. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you bring it's that like, up because <laughs> a
0: problem I have with this movie is a problem I have with another movie called City of Ember where they had the exact same thing Thing. The Characters have never seen the sun before and they just see the sunrise for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. If you've never, like, that's pretty, that's a big deal, right? <laughs> yeah. Seeing the sunrise for yeah. the first time. That's huge. She literally spent her entire life in this dark night world. It's just pitch black in the Tron world. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you see, like, sun rays. You feel warmth. That's a, that's a big deal. Like, the look on her face was, like, placid. Serene. Hmm. Wow. Look at that.
2: Huh. Would, e- would she even be able to see? Wouldn't she be, like, a new? Born opening her eyes for the first time, wouldn't it be blinding the light? She should be screaming in pain. Yeah, like, what? Her, her eyes eye should be burning out of her skull right then.
0: If we do have a Tron three, she should be T R three N yeah If they make that, that's what I want to see. I want to see how she deals with the real world. Her expecting technology to be way more advanced mm-hmm. than it, than it actually is, and like they're like, this is a toilet. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what? What is this? Her eating real food. You know, you know that kind of stuff that'd be fun
1: she doesn't know how to
0: pee and then we'll see how the (laughs) just wear a
1: diaper for a week
0: (laughs) yeah then we'll get to see how these isomorphs really do alter human history i guess right i bet you they'll they'll totally abandon that plot point if they make a sequel yeah probably and they'll, they'll probably go back into the tron world somehow okay so that's it that was tron legacy let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie Like the original, Tron Legacy obsesses over technology and style, but forgets important details like character and plot. Rafer Guzman, Newsday. It's a sullen affair, dominated by a grim visual palette that intrigues for about 30 minutes. Michael Phillips, Chicago Tribune. And finally, they had 28 years, and this is the best they could come up with? James Verardinelli, <laughs> Real Views. He's one of my favorite critics. This guy, James. He always comes up with the good quips. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it really that bad? Yeah,
1: it's about half a movie. That's actually a good point, actually. <laughs> it's half a movie, so it gets 50%. Yeah, I would agree with that.
2: I'd give this movie a three out of five. There's enough here visually, and it just, it's just a really fun movie for that first half, and I think it warrants watching the movie just to see this world. I had a lot of fun spending time in this world as it existed. I thought the acting was pretty good. Everything about this movie was pretty good, except for the plot. It's just the plot fell apart.
1: I wouldn't say that the acting was phenomenal. There was good acting in it. The plot wasn't that great, but the movie looked awesome, and it was a lot of fun up until, I'd say, about halfway through the movie. I'd probably give it a 3 out of 5. I think it's got enough content to say that it's enjoyable to watch.
0: Okay, as for me, it's really that bad. I'm gonna say that this movie is technical, artistic, and musically a triumph. Like, amazing. They really push the limits on these three fronts. But story-wise, terrible. It's, it's just a poor, boring plot. Like, who cares? Whatever. This movie falls under the same camp as like City of Ember and Avatar and uh, some other movies I can't really think of at the moment where they're similar in that the people that made the movies spent a lot of time building this world but the plot that they decided to inhabit this world in is garbage. Like the, the story they decided to use mm-hmm. for this planet that they created or whatever it's just not good. It's just a waste. Yep. This movie is really like a 2.5 probably but uh, whatever. i bump it up. For the Daft Punk music alone 3. 3 out of 5. <laughs> very light 3.
1: No, so there you go. Tron Legacy. Unanimous.
0: Okay, so we got some voicemails about this. I'll play those for you right now.
3: To listen to your messages, press 1. Hey guys, it's Crystal again from Phoenix. My name is Casey, I'm a
2: Minnesotan, and I've been listening to your podcast since your Skyline episode.
3: Hey guys, or should I say my fellow New Jerseyans, Joel, Martin, and Kevin. Hey, it's me, Tropic, Tropic Mango. Hi, it's Brendan from Maryland, and I saw Tron Legacy in the theater, like on a Tuesday alone. Like, seeing a 3D movie alone is a really sad, like not just alone, like no one else was in the theater, and seeing a 3D movie alone is a sad experience, and it had like, for a movie. movie about computers it had really creepy like it's that type of computer animation that is really unnerving and not meant to be unnerving like it's something in your brain just keeps telling you this is wrong this is wrong i really enjoyed it i thought it was an original idea i understand why people gave it a lot of shit but yeah i enjoyed it this new one again enjoyed it this movie is so bad this movie is like an abortion. You want to forget it happened, you want to forget everything about it, and you don't want anyone to ever bring it up in polite conversation. Uh, with me and Tron Leg- Legacy, I like the movie. I treat Tron Legacy kind of the same way that I treat Avatar. I love how pretty it is, but I'm disappointed in how the plot was. Only thing good about this movie is that Daft Punk did the soundtrack for it. That's about it.
2: The new kid, I forgot his name. But he's really good.
3: Uh, Garrett Hedlund isn't exactly... uh, He is leading that material visually, but for all intents and purposes of going along with his line reading, he's starting to reach Hayden Christensen levels of boringness, which I'm very disappointed by, because I was hoping that he would be like a new beacon of life for those sandy-haired pretty-faced, blue-eyed, wonder-kinds. Olivia Wilde, who I love dearly, I was very disappointed in her performance of this movie. She was awesome up until the whole introduction of where she came from and the origin story of her character. You got Olivia Wilde, who has no facial expressions ever, which sort of works to her advantage in this movie, I suppose. This whole introduction of weird data that came out of nowhere and just created themselves in the Tron world and needed to be taken into the real world we used to learn from medically and scientifically. Considering the fact that they live in a computer-generated world, I don't understand how that could be possible. Oh, if I had to hear the phrase isomorphic algorithm one more time in that movie, I was going to go throw something out of my front window.
2: What I consider the best part, and I think you might like, are the battle scenes. Those
3: are amazing. Yeah, Tron Legacy. Yeah, I saw that with my eyes. That's my 12 cents on that. End of new messages.
0: Thanks for those voicemails, guys. Thanks, guys. Let's read some listener mail. We got a ton of content here. Sweet. So let's uh, see what we can do here. Miles writes in and says, Fun fact about Top Gun. One of the pilots that the character of Maverick is based on is Randy Duke Cunningham, a decorated pilot of the Vietnam War and was one of only a tiny handful of American aces of that conflict. He eventually became a congressman and is now serving time on corruption charges due to be let out of prison sometime in 2013. I also wanted to ask, given your location, what's your opinion of John Corazine and Chris Christie, given that they have been in the news so much lately?
2: Do we really want to go political yeah. here? <laughs> go, yeah, I don't know I want to actually the political we, front. just
0: yeah. spent all this time talking about digital Jeff Bridges. <laughs> 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 all right, Christine writes in and says, Hey guys, the only thing I love more than movies are movie soundtracks. I go to the library and take some handfuls and listen to them on my iTunes. Do you guys have any favorite soundtracks? My Mine include Juno, Across the Universe, School of Rock, Into the Wild, and Away We Go. And I also have another question. This is really random and fairly unimportant, but I've been dying to know in a previous episode, Kevin mentioned the part in Pirates of the Caribbean. Also had an awesome soundtrack that made him really mad. <laughs> He's never gonna get the answer to this. This is one of my favorite movies, and I've been going crazy wondering what made him so upset. <laughs> he said he wanted to keep it a secret, but I'm hoping my email will persuade him otherwise. Thanks, Christine.
1: You're gonna you not persuade <laughs> not persuaded
2: <laughs> You're gonna have to do better than that Not me. good
1: enough. <laughs> <laughs> as far as soundtracks go, this one is awesome. Oh, Tron Legacy. That's in the top of the heap. Oh, Joel, you really like There Will Be Blood, the soundtrack for that movie. Chung 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 chunk. Woo, woo. Horrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, favorite soundtracks. I'm gonna throw Vanilla Sky onto that pile. Yeah, Garden that was State. Fantastic. Yep, Garden State. That had an amazing soundtrack. I also like um, 500 Days of Summer. Had a great soundtrack. So did uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. That was really good.
1: Speaking of Michael Sarah movies, I'm gonna say that Scott Pilgrim vs. the World soundtrack. Was oh gorgeous. yeah, was phenomenal. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. The metrics are in that. They're really good in that.
0: Okay, good answer. Okay. Shara writes in and says, Hey guys, as an avid documentary watcher, I'd like to know if you could recommend any interesting documentaries or even some mock
1: documentaries. mock Mervumentaries."
0: As for documentaries, I mean, my go-to is, and you probably, if you're an avid documentary fan, you've probably already seen this. My favorite documentary is The King of Kong, a must-watch documentary.
2: King of Kong, definitely. Uh, Murder Ball is, I think, my favorite documentary. And uh, Grizzly Man is definitely one you should look into.
1: You got any? I like Pirates of Silicon Valley. Alley. That's a made-for-TV <laughs> account <laughs> starring Noah Wiley. <laughs>
2: and uh, Enron's Smartest Guys in the Room. Oh, that's good. That's a good one.
0: I like um, Taxi to the Dark Side,
1: Mr. Death, Thin Blue
0: Line. What was
2: the Banksy one? Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, uh, Exit, really Exit to the Gift yeah, Shop. Exit
2: to the Gift Shop show really good.
1: Life in a Day I saw recently, and I thought that was really good. That was the uh, YouTube movie.
2: God, I know that. Man on Wire is pretty good. Hoop Dreams is good. That's an old one. That's a good one. I would prefer to watch a really good documentary versus a really good movie.
1: You like the... uh, What do you say to that? Because it's real. Because it's real. You like... It actually happened. Yeah. True to life tales. Mm -hmm. What about
0: pornography? That's a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? No, it's not. <laughs> it's documenting what happened, right? Jack writes in and says, I don't know if you guys were aware of this movie, but this is pretty interesting. Kevin Spacey, Morgan Freeman, LL Cool J, and Justin Timberlake all starred in a movie called Edison. Apparently, this movie was so bad that after only a few critics reviewed it, they canceled its release. It currently holds a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Not necessarily good for a review, but just wanted to note its existence. It's a lot of star power. Power to just kind of make it even, disappear. How would we even get access to it, though? It's out there, apparently. You, you can see it on yeah. DVD and stuff, yeah. Would just, you watch it? Just out of curiosity. Interesting, yeah, right? Just out of curiosity. This is an interesting question, and I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what Kevin has to say about this. Adam writes in and says, Gentlemen, here's my question for you. You mentioned a couple weeks ago how comedies are hard to judge as good or bad because it all depends on taste. My question, what makes for a good drama? More importantly, what makes for a bad drama? I'd be interested to see you guys tackle a bad drama because I think b- bad dramatic films are truly unwatchable. In bad sci-fi, there's special effects to watch. In bad action, there's fight sequences. But in bad drama, there is nothing to take away from the horrible atrocity on screen. So what makes a bad drama? Would you guys consider doing a bad drama? And if you do, may I suggest the Kevin Klein stinker from 2005, D-Lovely. Thanks, Adam.
2: First off, I like that he calls this gentleman. I agree. Keep, keep that up, guys. Um, <laughs> Um, second, I think that most dramas are almost completely reliant on the acting. So if you have bad acting, I mean, that, that pretty much will, will
1: ruin a drama because that's, that's what it's built on.
0: So if the plot is bad, but the acting is top notch. I can maybe overlook that.
1: Dramas are difficult because I think acting is key. But if the story is poor, then the movie can't stand alone on acting. It has to have a very good plot and it has to have great acting for the drama to be good. For you to be able to relate to the characters and the situation that they're in. But acting more so than plot, because the acting is what's allowing you to connect and feel.
0: Yeah, to me, what makes a bad drama, I think if it's just boring, right? If it's just, like, dull, what's going on. Nothing happens in the story, right? Just people sitting around, talking. I mean, that's okay. Like, I can watch a movie where people just sit around and talk to each other. But if what they're talking to each other is, like, interesting and of note, you know?
1: So, like, Clerks, you weren't a fan of Clerks?
0: No, no, Clerks is good because they were interesting. Right. That that was a comedy. Yeah, he's right. Like, um, a bad drama is unwatchable, He. He makes a good point. Like, I wouldn't yeah. sit through a boring, bad drama. i just no, turn it off.
2: There's no action. There's no special effects or anything. Nothing that doesn't distract your,
0: me. Yeah. Josh, in says, We have entered into a new world of film criticism with the widespread influence of the internet. No longer are there simply prolific newspaper and television critics like Siskel and Niebert. Opinions and critiques on movies are just about everywhere these days. My question is, what are your thoughts on the current state of film criticism? Very insightful. Very.
1: I think that there's a lot of knee-jerk reactions to films, and I think it's weighted way too heavily uh, on the negative end of the spectrum.
0: Haven't you heard? Everything sucks these days. Yeah, er everything everything, is crap.
1: Everything sucks. Everything that is made that is put out sucks. I don't adhere to that. I don't believe that's true. If that was true people would probably stop watching movies as much as they are right now.
2: I think that the, the vast number of critics that are more easily available now to the moviegoer is beneficial in that they can find maybe the one or two reviewers that have similar tastes to them and focus on them to know if, you know, they should spend their hard-earned money going to the movies because previously, before you could find all this on the internet, if you didn't really have the same taste as Siskel, Ebert, and whoever was writing in your local newspaper, then their views didn't help you at all decide whether you should go see a movie or not. So, now you actually can find someone that maybe shares the same taste as you.
1: I mean, that's, that's essentially the job of the critic, is to help you determine whether or not you are going to spend your time and money to go see a movie.
0: This reminds me of an interesting documentary you should check out called Heckler starring Jamie Kennedy which Kevin hated, <laughs> I, <laughs> Kevin hated it. I like it a lot though but it's all about like the current state of criticism so we have two more listeners checking in internationally Janie writes in and says hi I'm from Quebec just want to say I love your podcast thanks for making them and Nick is from the UK I want you guys to buckle your seat belts because we're about to go down <laughs> down the spiral here <laughs> this rambling mess
2: you know what but he's one of our English Premier League fans.
0: Yeah, probably. I guarantee you he's not. (laughs) Okay, Nick writes in and says, Watcha from the UK? Hey, matey peeps. Have a lot to thank you for. First episode I listened to was the Twilight podcast and have repeated many of your arguments as my own to my Twi-hard wife. But I should also say that if you insult Kate Beckinsale again on your podcast, I will personally engage a campaign to recolonize the USA. This isn't a request for a review. View of a shit film, but if you did want to plumb the depths of UK film industry, I would suggest Sex Lives of the Potato Men or Lesbian Vampire Killers, both of which are like being smashed in the eyes by someone who hates film so much they want your kids to know about it. And to add a Mia culpa, I despise going to the cinema as I don't understand why. If you can't get 100% drunk teenagers to behave themselves at a school dance, I should have to sit next to these to watch something I've paid money to see. And the lights are kept on too bright and the sound is too low. And why can't people put their phones away rather than <laughs> tweeting about how shit the film is? that they're not even watching. Anyway, as all cinema comes from the U.S., I presume this is all because, as I gather from the Fox network, your president is some kind of communist... (laughs) who was born in Kansas or Kinshasa or something. So it's your own fault. If you'd stayed with Britain, you could be standing and weeping with joy to the king's speech. (laughs) 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 Which, by the way, was a bigger travesty to history than Braveheart. But there you go. Anyway, as film fans, don't know if you've seen it already, but would highly recommend a Belgian film released as Man Bites Dog. I know that Yankee Doodles don't like subtitles. And and that because Bill O'Reilly says your schools never taught you how to read. (laughs) But I would seriously check it out, FOMO, faux fo show, as they say on the television series The Wire. So there you go. Check out the film. Keep it up. Shut the hell up about Kate Beckinsale and hope you're all well and good. Would have left this as a message, but I don't have Skype and I'm not going to phone the U.S. on my landline. Have you seen the prices these days? It's ridiculous. And what's with we're the euro tanking? <laughs> Although we're not part of it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. P.S. Drunk. <laughs> (laughs) Cheers! With a (laughs) hundred E's
2: I'm really happy That our friends in England Are watching The Wire Stoked about that I love The Wire I lived in Baltimore For a while
1: That's the best thing You got out of that Was you're happy They're watching The Wire
2: (laughs) Yeah Yeah That's exactly What I got out of it
1: Well I'm glad That someone's listening To this drunk (laughs) I'm kind of wishing I was drunk right now
0: (laughs) And now it's on For the question of the week And the question was Can you name a movie That traumatized you There are so many here This is what we're gonna do I'm going to read some of them, and you're going to read some of them, and then you're going to read some of them. Get you involved into this. Go ahead. Catherine says, three words, a human centipede. Never will I have the urge to wander around the woods at night and trust an old foreign man to get me home. Uh, Catherine writes well, in and you says- <laughs> Crystal writes in and says The Rainbow and the Serpent I still have very vivid and disturbing nightmares about this movie for some godforsaken reason maybe because I watched it when I was 10 Parenting fails Danny writes in and says The movie Frozen Three people get stuck in a ski lift Frostbitten and there's wolves Now I love horror movies and I'm into bizarre foreign revenge films I can handle gore or whatever I could not handle this movie I literally started shaking and had to leave the room while my husband finished it Baudouard Babe said Earlier this year I finished watching Eraser, headed by David Lynch. I'd seen Twin Peaks and Mulholland Drive, but before I knew, David Lynch worked strictly in the realm of, the, of oddness, but nothing prepared me for that movie. I have never had a, a more visceral reaction to a movie. I was literally pushing myself back into the couch cushions to get as far away from the TV as possible. I felt physically sick, disturbed, and terrified while watching it. Maury says, fire in the sky. The whole needle probe and the eyeball scene was too excruciatingly detailed and goes on for too long than I was comfortable with. I still freak out whenever anything gets too close to my eyes. Lucianne said, "Probably go with Clockwork Orange." My parents thought it would be a fun movie to watch one night in which I couldn't sleep. After that, even if I'd wanted to go to
1: sleep, I wasn't able to. Oh Lord, the scars. Nate the Ape 21 said, "I was young when I saw Arachnophobia, and it scared me for years. I would check lamps, shoes, under toilet seats, always thinking there was a spider waiting to attack. Growing up on a farm with millions of black widows didn't help anything. Even now, spiders creep me out. Thanks, Arachnophobia." JD said. The The Last Exorcism. The final scene in the woods deeply disturbed me. I didn't want to sleep after it ended just in case it it infected my REM cycles. Joe Iden said, For me, the film is a little-known zombie flick from the 70s called Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. This low-budget horror flick scared the hell out of me as a kid. For the longest time, I would not watch any type of zombie film. To this day, any type of gore, even the slightest reminds me of that film and the fear it instilled in me. That was like 30-plus years ago. You would think I would be over it, but damn it, I'm not. Ray said, Mars attacks. I enjoy the movie now, but when I first saw it, I was pretty young, and I was not prepared for the scene where Sarah Jessica Parker and a chihuahua had their heads switched. That and the design of the aliens topped with the death of Michael J. Fox's character. I had a huge crush on Fox as a kid and still do. <laughs> had already freaked me out a bit. Of course, I find all this funny now, save for killing Fox, but back when I was 10 sitting up in the attic of a creaking, century old house, every time I would close my eyes I would see the alien stitching Parker's oversized head to the dog's body. That scene was never actually shown in the movie, but my imagination took it to pretty horrific levels.
2: Ian said, Pee-wee's big adventure traumatized me as a child. Don't get me wrong. I love both Pee-wee Herman and Paul Rubens, but the large, marge, claymation face transformation terrified me as a kid. I can mostly stomach the scene now, but the hairs on the back of my neck still stand up. Plus, the whole film's strangely unnerving, from the soundtrack to the imagery probably owing to Tim Burton's directing style. Heather said, I hate E.T. When I was a little girl, my aunt took me to see E.T. in the theater, and I cried and freaked out any time E.T. was on the screen. To this day, I get a full body shutter when it's on and I have to either change the channel or leave the room. I'm 35 years old, have yet to watch the movie in its entirety, and I can only take it in small portions. Why do people think E.T.'s cute and lovable? He looks like he would be cold, clammy, and smell fishy. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: does, actually. Like, he looks like smells like a fish.
2: <laughs> Sean from Salt Lake said, Frequency, with a surprisingly adequate performance by Quaid. Phenomenal movie, but when I was a Sprite young boy of seven, three of my high school age sisters, I'm the youngest of nine kids, took me to see it one weekend when they babysat me. For a couple years after, I couldn't shake the fear that a homicidal maniac was laying in wait under my bed to
0: stab me and bury my frightened corpse. Okay, as for next week's question of the week, we went out to our Facebook fans for suggestions for the question of the week, and the winner was Justin, and his question was, what is an Academy Award winning movie that
1: you hate? Martin? I greatly dislike the song sl- Slumdog Millionaire.
0: <sighs>
2: that is so disappointing.
0: <laughs> I loved Slumdog Millionaire. I didn't care for Crash. I did not like Crash. I didn't care for Slumdog either. <sighs> you soulless bastards. Yeah.
1: Okay. I didn't think Crash was that good, to be honest.
0: The
2: one I hate I goes thought... to Million Dollar Baby. That was a great movie. Whoa. <laughs>
0: Man. Poo <laughs> Poo 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 yeah, This is a pretty good Fingered review Poo poo Okay so there you go Head on over to com. Leave a comment On this episode's page With your answer Okay Now it's time to announce The movies for the next Listener's Choice poll I got a doozy here This one kind of hit me The other day I think this, this could be fun This could be a fun one Alright I want to bring it back To uh, childhood movies Our childhood Specifically
1: <laughs> Childhood movies
0: Ours Yeah (laughs) Not anybody else's. Okay, these are 1990s childhood movies. So, ready? Jumanji versus Space Jam. That's good. I like it a lot. That's a tough call, right? Both are rotten
2: (laughs) to the core. both rotten?
0: Yeah. Space Jam more so than Jumanji. I feel like... I can see that.
1: Yeah, I can see that too, but Space Jam's got Bill Murray in it. (laughs) No matter what Bill Murray does, he's got my shiny gold star.
0: Versus uh, a young Kristen Dunst running around with (laughs) Robin Williams. David Allen Greer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he is in that. (laughs) And by the way, just a fun fact for people, there is no other person on this planet that knows more about 1996-era basketball than Kevin Kevin, here. Yeah, thanks. So he would love to watch Space Jam. (laughs) Okay, so once again, the choices are Jumanji versus Space Jam. Head on over to yesthatbed.com where you can vote in the poll. As for next week's movie, I felt it was high time that we revisited one of our old friends and do a sequel to a movie that we did in the past. The time has come for us to revisit our friend Michael Bay and watch Transformers 2 I don't want to do Rise that Rise of the Fallen <laughs> I don't want to do that
3: <laughs>
0: people have been clamoring for this so now's a chance Transformers 2 it's finally upon us alright so to recap head on over to yesbed.com where you can vote in the poll for Jumanji versus Space Jam and tune in next week when we will be reviewing Transformers 2 thanks for listening to the show if you like what you've heard please consider subscribing we have new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Head on over to facebook.com slash yeah it's that bad where you can click the like button and help spread the word of the show to all your friends. You can also follow us on Twitter at yeah it's bad and you can listen to the show on your non-iPhone or Zoom devices via Stitcher and you can get that at stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time.
1: When I think of him, I immediately think of the dude, and I could see a lot of that character coming through in his portrayal of Kevin Flynn.
3: <laughs>
2: no idea what that's funny.
0: All right, go ahead. Your turn.
2: <laughs> I thought, uh...
0: His portrayal of Kevin Flynn.
1: I don't understand why, why, why that's funny. I don't know. Why is that funny? <laughs> Lose my cool. <laughs> why? Like why? why? Why is that funny? Got <laughs> <at> the giggles. <laughs>